Good morning and welcome to First Baptist Church in Lawrence, Kansas. It is the fourth Sunday of Lent, also known as Laarte Sunday, which is a lifting, a little bit of time of celebration in the midst of kind of the more somber time of Lent. St. Patrick's Day is also coming up, which was another opportunity um, many years ago. They used it as a lift during Lent and celebration, and so today we are um, honoring that tradition with Celtic music throughout the service. Um, welcome, we're glad that you're here. If you have a candle, please join me in lighting it now to remember and honor that Christ is with all of us, even as we are apart currently. you thanks, O God, for you are good, your steadfast love endures forever. We give you thanks, O God, for your wonderful works to all of humanity. Hear now our offerings of praise and thanksgiving as we tell of your deeds with songs of joy. Let us worship God. Morning has broken like the first. 
be with you and also with you lift up your hearts we lift them up to the Lord if you're able please text or message someone from the congregation and share with them the sign of peace This morning is from chapter 41. Happy are those who consider the poor. The Lord delivers them in the day of trouble. The Lord protects them and keeps them alive. They are called happy in the land. You do not give them up to the will of their enemies. The Lord sustains them on their sickbed. In their illness, you heal all their infirmities. 
Hello, it is now time for the children's sermon. So kids, get ready, um, come a little closer, and this time is for you. So I know that many of you have some big things going on this week, um, that Lawrence Public Schools is going to five days a week full-time now. For, so for the first time in a year, you get to see your friends and your teachers every day. And I wonder how you're feeling about that. I imagine that you might be excited, but maybe a little nervous or scared too. And so I have a special prayer, a blessing for you all for this week as we transition into this new time for you all, which is exciting, but also might feel a little scary. But first, I have a story to tell you about a man named Patrick. A long time ago, there was this guy named Patrick. And when he was 16, he got kidnapped. And he was forced to work as a shepherd for six years. And during that time, he started to get to know Jesus. And his faith started to really deepen. And eventually, he was able to escape and go back home. And he felt called to become a priest. And while he was studying to be a priest, he started having dreams and feeling called by God to go back to the land where he had been kidnapped and where he was forced to work for a long time. And so after studying, he went back to Ireland and he taught lots of other people about Jesus and he taught them about how to follow him and he helped people become stronger in their Christian faith. So now, for fun, we celebrate St. Patrick's Day. So you might have some fun little green things to wear, maybe like this. You might get to eat some special food on Wednesday for St. Patrick's Day. I don't know what um, you might do, but it's a fun holiday now, but I wanted to let you all know that it started because of this man named Patrick who went through some really hard times but chose to follow Jesus and tell other people about him. And so there's this prayer, this blessing, for, um, called the Prayer of St. Patrick that I am going to read for you all for you to have a good first week back in school, for you to be reminded that Jesus is with you always, no matter what, that Jesus understands what it's like to be scared that Jesus understands what it's like to be a kid, and that Jesus is with you. So here's my prayer, my blessing for you. May Christ shield you today against wounding. May Christ shield you this week. May Christ be with you, Christ before you, Christ behind you, and Christ in front of you. Christ in you, Christ above you, Christ under you. Christ when you lay down, Christ when you go to school, Christ in the heart of everyone who thinks of you, Christ in the mouth of everyone who speaks of you, Christ in the eyes that sees you, Christ in the ears that hear you. As you arise this week for school, through the mighty strength of God and of the Lord of creation, may Christ be with you. Amen.
Enter now into a time of prayer, understanding that um, God is here listening to the words in our lips and also in our hearts. We will uh, continue as Christina has invited us to uh, be in prayer for elementary students here in uh, Lawrence as they begin full in person uh, this coming week, and for uh, high school and middle school students here in a couple of weeks as they do the same. Pray for uh, uh, staff as well as for families. Uh, you'll also notice uh, some of the names that we pray for uh, nationally and internationally. Here locally we pray for uh, the Family Church of Lawrence. We pray for Joan Friesen who serves in Indianapolis and Rovanya Richardson serving in Ghana. Also, I would invite you to pray for Christina today. Uh, as we uh, mentioned uh, several weeks ago, Christina continues in uh, the, uh, the process of ordination and uh, getting ready for uh, the, the kind of the going through uh, each of the steps along the way. Uh, well, today is another one of those steps. And so uh, as she uh, appears before an ordination council uh, in her uh, home association in Pittsburgh, uh, she'll uh, obviously be uh, doing it uh, virtually. Uh, I'd ask you to, to pray for Pastor Christina in the ways that she uh, um, interacts with this uh, committee and uh, talks to them and works with them. And uh, again, it's an important day for her, and so I would invite your uh, prayers on her behalf and on behalf of the council. With these uh, joys and concerns in our hearts, uh, I invite you now to uh, uh, follow with me in a unison discipline of confession. We bring uh, our own brokenness before God together, and then in a time of silence, we do it just between our Lord and ourselves.
Merciful God, we confess the folly of our sin and the hypocrisy of our complaints. We grumble about the evils in our world, even as we commit injustices and profit through deceit. We fret about the scarcity of resources while hoarding earth's good and cheating the poor. We protest the problems of our world, but we do not actively work to address them. Merciful God, expose our sins before the light of your grace. Heal our sin and free us from our foolish ways that we may know the joy of eternal life in Jesus Christ. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Let us pray. Eternal God, what a long, strange year it has been. Complex and complicated, a mix of good and bad, hopeful and hurtful, exciting and terrifying, Mixed up together alongside of each other, we have seen things that have made us proud and excited and things that have caused us shame and pain. Lord, today we are filled with pain when we hear of the racism aimed at Asian Americans unfairly targeting them for COVID-19. Reminiscent of past generations, we see fresh hatred and bigotry. And yet, we are filled with hope as we watch meaningful and powerful conversations about race pop up in our schools and our churches and our neighborhoods, inviting us to learn again how to lament, how to confess, how to act. Lord, we are filled with pain. We remember over these last 12 months a significant political polarization, the, the hatred and, and demonization from both sides of the political spectrum. Yet we are filled with hope when we realize how much over these last months we have seen our neighbors, learned their names, called to check up on them, learned to love our neighbor as ourselves in new ways in response to a common foe. God, we are filled with pain as we watch nurses and doctors and medical staff fight the twin dangers of COVID-19 and conspiracy theories and untruths told about it. And yet, we are filled with hope when we hear of medical professionals' heroic and sacrificial care for others and their courage to tell us things that we just simply don't want to hear. Lord, we are filled with pain as we watch schools and administrators and teachers forced to make difficult and painful decisions in the attempts to keep kids and families and staff safe. And meanwhile, have watched them demonized at every turn by someone unhappy with their decisions, whatever they are. And yet, we are filled with hope 
as we have seen creative and flexible ways for students to learn, for families to celebrate, for young people to thrive, even in the midst of challenges none of them wanted to face. Lord, we are filled with pain as we make hard decisions to stay home, keep away from beloved family members, forego traditions in the name of health and safety over these last several months. Yet we have been filled with hope as our home stain has lowered the world's carbon footprint, given us chances to notice in our own neighborhoods flowers and trees and beauty that we had never noticed before. God's creation afresh in our eyes. God, we are filled with pain when we read the statistics. 532,000 Americans dead from COVID. More than in World War I and II combined. Nearly 10 times the number of American deaths in the Vietnam War. We hear the stories. We read the statistics. We know of family members and friends. We know that pain. And yet, we are filled with hope. When we get that call that we are eligible for a vaccine, we, we see vaccination cards posted on social media, we hear of those comfortable for the first time in months to leave their house. God, you are the God of comfort in the midst of pain. You are the God of hope for all that this year has been and all that the future will be. We thank you that you have always been and will always be the God of love and of grace and of healing and of reshaping and of purpose and of promise. God, we pray it as we do every week that your kingdom would come on this earth. We mean it. Would your kingdom be here now, today? For it is because of your son and his love for us that we pray the prayer that he taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
As an ordained American Baptist minister, I have been serving college students for the past 33 years with an organization called Asian American Christian Fellowship, also known as AACF, that believes in empowering students to be leaders on their campus to share the life-changing message of Jesus. In times when leadership for people of color is often out of reach, AACF gives skills and encouragement to Asian American students who serve amongst their peers on campus and take those skills into the workplace and missions field when they graduate. Not only does the grant help offset a portion of the $60,000 a year needed for my salary, ministry expenses, and more, the connection to ABHMS helps me find affirmation as I join the work of Jesus through partnerships locally and globally, but also the connections for me and my students to a larger network of God's people, especially in the pandemic. Thank you for enabling me to benefit from this grant in the past years and hopefully in the coming year. Well, as you can see, we uh, have begun collecting our America for Christ offering uh, these next Sundays until Easter. You'll uh, have an opportunity to give to the America for Christ. You'll see one example, and uh, in, in the coming weeks, you'll see others of how uh, ABHMS uh, gathers together funds and uses those funds for some incredible ministry uh, in the United States and in Puerto Rico. Uh, so you are invited to consider prayerfully how you might uh, support the work of America for Christ and then give generously in these coming weeks. Though we may not know what March might bring, it kind of looks like, and hopefully feels like, spring is peeping around the corner. We always love the feeling of new life and warmer weather that comes with spring. The coming of flowers, the greening of grass and trees all remind us of the continuing creation of God. God's love is eternal, constant, and faithful. And we can respond to God's love and presence by being generous to the work of God's goodness. When we give sacrificially and generously, lives are renewed and transformed by the ministries we provide as God's church. There are several ways you can give this morning. There's a link in the chat, or you can click on the Give tab on the church website, or by mailing a check to the church office. Let's celebrate the coming of spring as we give of God's tithes and offerings.
like manner evil things, but now he is comforted here, and you are in agony. Besides all this, between you and us a great chasm has been fixed, so that those who might want to pass from here to you cannot do so, and no one can cross from there to us. He said, Then, Father, I beg you to send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, that he may warn them, so that they may also not come into this place of torment. Abraham replied, They have Moses, they have the prophets, they should listen to them. He said, No, Father Abraham, but if somebody goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to them, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Oh, 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 oh,
one. Once upon a time, there were six brothers who will remain nameless for the point of this story. But these brothers uh, were well-known and well-respected throughout their community. They were not the, the richest people on the planet, but they had money, and they knew how to let other people know that they had money. Always uh, drove the, the okay cars, nice enough that people understood that they had spent a little bit. The same with their clothes, the same with their homes. They had a, uh, one of those little uh, uh, signs on the, uh, the side of their houses, each one of them, that suggested that they had a, a security system installed, both as a way to uh, deter criminals and also to let their neighbors know that they had stuff inside worth stealing. They had the, the nicest yards on the block, each one of them, made sure that the, the lawn service kept them green and clean all year long. Well, one day, one of those brothers uh, heard a, a knock on his door. He went to answer it, and it was a, a, a city employee, an intern by the looks of her, who was assigned to go around and uh, uh, knock on all of the doors there in their neighborhood and deliver a, a piece of paper. You see, the, uh, uh, the next adjoining neighborhood over had been bought by a developer who was going to uh, develop a, a large uh, swath of affordable housing. And uh, the, the city just wanted to, to let the neighbors know that this was coming, just to kind of give them a heads up. If they had any questions, they could call the number on the bottom of the sheet. The brother thanked the intern for her time and went inside and immediately made six phone calls, one to each of his five different brothers and one to the number at the bottom of the form to complain about the insensitivity of the city leaders. How could they do something like this? What would this do to property values in their own community? How could they uh, add extra traffic and change the traffic patterns? This is an old historic community, old historic neighborhood, and as he explained again and again and again, it simply wasn't right. Well, that number rang off the hook by all the different members of that neighborhood over the next week, enough that the, the city leaders decided to have a listening session, and they opened up the floor at one of their meetings, and it was packed. All of the members of the neighborhood came, and they, they shook their fists at the city leaders. How dare you do this to us? Uh, we understand, as most of them said, that there, there's a need for affordable housing, but can't it just be somewhere else? City leaders, though, were insistent. This is a need in our community, and this developer is willing to do the work. Finally, that brother, who received a knock on his door first, had an idea, a generous idea in his mind. He said, well, well what, if, what if we do this? As he stood up before the city leaders and all of his neighbors there in the commission meeting, what if we built a wall? a wall uh, around this development, a, kind of a, a large wall. There's already, already a drainage ditch there. We'll widen that ditch a little bit and we'll build a wall uh, in order to kind of uh, keep the traffic patterns the way they need to be and, and keep, uh, uh, keep everything the way it needs to be. Besides, wouldn't those people want to live in their own community anyway? All of the other neighbors, seeing this was the best they were going to get, jumped on the idea and all cried, yes, that's what we need. We need a wall. 
the city leaders said they would take it under advisement. And within a couple of weeks, the brother once again heard a knock on his door. It was this same intern with a, a different colored sheet of paper, this time explaining that the, the, uh, the affordable housing development would come in, but alongside of it there would be a wall and some work done to the drainage ditch. They were just letting the neighbors know to make sure nobody had any concerns. He thanked the intern for her time and went in and made six phone calls, one to each of his five brothers to gloat, and one to the city number at the bottom of the sheet to tell them how thankful he was for their wisdom. The brother was a little inconvenienced as now he had to drive the long way around to get to his favorite coffee shop where there was a, a spot there by the new entrance for this new neighborhood. But it was worth it every second that he went out of his way because as he saw that wall coming up, he knew that he had done the right thing, that he had protected his neighbors, that he had cared for the right people. As he came to his coffee shop, Several months after the, the, the final wall had been built and the, the neighborhood had been completed, he started to, to notice a man who sat there, kind of by the entrance, there by the gates to that affordable housing complex. There, as he watched him, the brother saw something was wrong. He was there often, every day sometimes, as he would go and get his latte in the mornings. He was a Latino man, but he could tell that there was something wrong with his face. He had a uh, very significant, uh, some kind of burns or scarring or, or, or sores even on the side of his face. He always, even on the hottest days, wore long sleeve and long pants as if he was hiding more scars on his body. When the brother saw him, his stomach turned. It disgusted him to to see that man and most other people it appeared for the only person that he ever uh, saw with this man uh, not even a person but a, a mangy old dog who would sit next to him in the heat the man held a sign injured in an accident anything helps God bless One day he went in and uh, sat with his five other brothers in this coffee shop and looked out the window and saw that man. He asked them, do, do, you, do you know who that is? Do you, do you know why he's there? Of course, most of them hadn't even noticed, even though they had walked by him several different times. A couple also had noticed and were also turned off and disgusted by the man. One of the brothers actually said that uh, he felt sorry for him one day, and so he hired him to come in and do some work at his home, actually out in his yard. He didn't want him in the home, but he could do some work outside. He only hired him that one day. He did good work, but he didn't want the man casing his house and seeing what he had there. I, I, think, I think I even gave him lunch, he said, and Maybe something to drink. I, 
I'm pretty sure I even talked to him for long enough to ask his name. It, it was something from the, the Bible. It was Lazaro. His name was Lazaro. Act 2. Unbeknownst to either of them, both of these men became sick, significantly sick, at about the same time. The brother, uh, who had noticed Lazaro on the side of the gate, uh, had incredibly uh, helpful health insurance. In, in fact, he was at a kind of routine screening when he found that he indeed had cancer, a rare form without much treatment possible. Nonetheless, he had the, uh, the means and the capability to, uh, to do what needed to be done. And so he, he went through several different months of treatment, different kinds of treatment, experimental treatment. His doctors did everything they could, but they couldn't save him. He died in the finest wing in the hospital, surrounded by family members. The pastor said it was the biggest service he could remember. Several months earlier, Lazaro began to notice that the, something wasn't right. Of course, he had no health insurance. He had no doctor to go to. He didn't want to bother anybody else with the pain that he was feeling, and so he kept it to himself, getting sicker and sicker and sicker as he held his sign at the side of the gate. One night after the coffee shop had closed and most of the patrons had gone home, he got into a coughing fit and slumped over. His dog crept closer to him and stayed by his side. As he died in the night, alone and afraid. Both this brother and Lazaro were ushered into the land of the dead. But as the brother arrived, he knew something was not quite what he expected. Something was wrong. His reservation perhaps had not been accepted because this was not what he had in mind. Uh, he was looking for streets of gold and a mansion all to himself. But you see, the, the God that he worshipped, the, the God of, of prestige and possession and position, well, that God had no power here. And so he found himself in agony. In, in a place that, that, that looked uh, drab and colorless and depressing and disgusting. It, it looked like what, what he imagined government housing to look like. Row after row after row. And the people that he saw seemed just as confused as him and just as angry and just as frustrated. And there was dark black concrete all around, not a blade of grass to be seen. And that concrete just got so hot in the, in the blazing sun that came down on them day after day after day. And he sat there with the, the, the concrete melting around him, feeling like his, his feet were on fire in agony every day. One day he tried to walk to, to get a little bit of relief. And, and as he got uh, toward maybe what was toward the end of, of this large uh, section of agony, he saw what surprised him. Uh, up, up in the distance, there was a, a, 
this, this huge section of green and, and, and there were trees and there were flowers and there were meadows and there were forests and it was such a beautiful place to be and, and dotted amongst all of the beauty were different mansions filled with people who were smiling and they were happy and he thought, oh, why can't I be there? And then he realized right in front of him stood a wall gleaming and ugly Beyond that, a chasm filled with rocks and crooked trees that separated him from the beauty that he saw in the distance. But he saw, though he couldn't believe it, there in the distance, there was, there was the, the man that sat by the side of the gate. What was, what was his name? What was his name? Uh, he remembered and called out to Father Abraham, Father Abraham, send him, send Lazaro to come and get me. Surely, surely he is a, a, a servant as he was to one of my brothers one day. He'd be a servant to you and he would come and, and he would place just a, uh, just a drop of water on my tongue that I might survive a, a day longer in this agony. <laughs> Father Abraham rolled his eyes at the arrogance of the man who thought he could order others around in life and in death. No, no, that's not the way this works, said Father Abraham. You see, he received suffering and pain in his life. The scars you see meant he couldn't get a job and he couldn't live and was always looked down upon. But now in this life, those scars are a medal to show that indeed he has suffered greatly and now is blessed greatly. No. You cannot come across. You cannot come over the wall. It's there to keep you right where you are. Act 3. The funeral was over. The five other brothers grieved and said their goodbyes. They went into the, uh, the home where their brother had lived and they oohed and awed over all that he had possessed. They uh, were impressed with his man cave and all the different appliances in his kitchen and all the different things that, uh, that impressed them uh, because they had the same kinds of things in their own homes. They divided out the family possessions, sold the rest at an estate sale, and the house was snapped up in a second on the market. Right before they gave the, the key to the realtor, they sat together, all five brothers in the dead brother's kitchen. One of the things that they had been impressed with was well, inside of his, his refrigerator, he had bottle after bottle after bottle of super expensive imported sparkling spring water. The good stuff. And they were impressed that, that even down to the water that he drank, this man knew what was good and this man knew what was right. The finer things in life. And so, as they sat around his kitchen table remembering him, each of them took 
a bottle of that water as a way not only to quench their thirst, but to remember their brother who got it right, who knew what was good in this world. The next Sunday, they all decided they would go to church at the Dead Brothers Church. They would gather together kind of as a a testimony, a way to grieve his loss and to say thank you to to many of the different people who had shown a blessing to him. Of course, they were there more more than anything to, to see others and to be seen and really to worship anybody in particular. And so they, they listened and they sang the songs and they did what they needed to. And the, the, the preacher went on and on and on about the, the law of love and about the, uh, the, the biblical call to justice and uh, tried his best to try to get people to pay attention. But most of them, including these five brothers, were on their phones. A big pitching matchup for their favorite baseball team was that afternoon and they were checking their fantasy baseball stats, of course even when the preacher thundered those last words. They will not believe, even if someone rises from the dead. They were scrolling through, wondering when it would all be over. That afternoon, one of the brothers sat in his own man cave, With that bottle of water, he thought it would be a a fitting testament to watch the game as he remembered his brother. But something wasn't quite right. Something uh, kept going through his mind about the sermon that morning. In order to protect the the fine wood on his furniture, he he had set the bottle of water on the newspaper from that morning. And splashed across the front page was a report of the community's heat wave. It was significant, and many elderly had been hospitalized simply because they could not uh, afford to keep their air conditioner running. One homeless man had died on the other side of town simply because the heat was too great. And there was something, something that the brother just couldn't get out of his head about that law of love, about that that call to justice, about what what he might be called to do. And so he had an idea. He would would take uh, that that bottle of water and he would go find somebody who needed some water and he would give that water to them. He he even grabbed a couple of uh, cheap plastic cups and went out into the neighborhood to begin to look. But of course he found nobody. All he heard was the Worrying of air conditioners and houses as nice as his. And so he, he continued walking a little bit further out of his neighborhood. Uh, he, he passed by the, the school where he and all of his five brothers had, had gone to school when they were children. And he continued to walk, looking a little bit farther. Uh, began to walk uh, kind of along the edge of a, a busier road. And uh, as he uh, started to, to look and, and notice that the, the, the people that he saw uh, were, were, were not even paying attention to him, didn't even pay attention to his power and prestige, he, he noticed a group of children kind of walking toward him, all bouncing a basketball 
But he saw the, the cars next to them, and he, he was nervous for them, anxious for them. Why, why would they walk on this road? So he came to them, and, and a little bit louder than he expected to, he asked, why are you all here? What are you all doing? These children were more than a little terrified, afraid they had done something wrong, and so they just said, well, well I'm sorry, sir, we're just going to go play some basketball over at the school. And he said, but why, why would you walk this way? This is, this is dangerous. He, he, he remembered uh, about six months earlier that a, a child had died on this very road, walking not far from where these children were walking. How could you do this? This is not safe for you. And again, most of them stammered and looked at the ground, except for the youngest child, who piped up, well, sir, there's this wall. And it's, it's in between our houses and the school. And so we, we can't get there unless we come all the way around. We didn't mean to do anything wrong. We're, we're sorry. The wall. His wall. His brother's wall. All of a sudden he felt pretty stupid holding a a bottle of water like it would make all the difference. And yet he he gave it to the children. He gave them the cups and said, split it among yourselves. Have, Have fun. Please be very careful as you go. And the next morning, it was he who knocked on the door at City Hall at 8 a.m. in the morning to say this is not right. We must build a gate inside of this wall. We must must create space so that these children can walk safely to the school to play basketball, to go day in and day out to their classes. (laughs) The city leaders just kind of shook their heads and laughed and said, this is your wall. Your neighbors are never going to go for anything like that. You tell them. And so he did. And he knocked on all of the doors in his neighborhood and said, look, we need to build this gate. We need to do something different here. His brothers thought he was crazy, but he saw the look on that small child's face again and again and said, something must be done. And then he went inside of that community and talked to them, knocked on doors there and introduced himself. I've made some mistakes in my life, he said, but I'm trying to make them right. Can you tell me how I could be helpful? And he began to to learn different stories and learn different names and learn about different people who lived in that that complex. He learned about a, a man that they called San Lazaro, Saint Lazaro, who used to sit by the gate of the community and ask for money. The funny thing is, though, he never saved a dime. Everything that he gathered by the rich patrons back and forth, he brought and gave to the children. He'd give them a dollar to go get something to drink, or or maybe a, a few dollars so they could go in and get a used bike that they could take turns riding. It wasn't his money he shared with his neighbors. 
<laughs> and they talked about the wall. Not only was it in the way of, of children, and they, had, they had tried to get it removed simply to, to, to help children get to school, but of course the, the city turned a blind eye. But it was adults too that, that had to get all the way around. When their transportation was not easy, they had to, to ride the bus all the way around town to get to work. But not only that, that wall brought shame. It made them feel as though they were less than. It made them feel that, as though they were dangerous or they were unloved. And so children growing up inside of that space felt unimportant and uncared for. <laughs> the next morning, the brother was once again on the front step of City Hall, knocking on the front door with a new plan. The wall must go. Take it out completely in its place. Take the, the drainage ditch that had been widened and uglied and concreted over and turn it into a park with landscaping and trees and, 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 and places for kids to play so that they could enjoy God's creation in that space. That's what he asked for, and that's what he begged for. Of course, his brothers again thought he had lost his mind, but again and again, he asked for, he, he told the committee, he told the, uh, the commission, he told all of the city, this needs to be done. He advocated for affordable housing in other parts of the city, making sure that when it was built, it was built close enough to a school for kids to walk. And he gave his own money sacrificially, over and over and over again, so that this, this park could be built. And on the day that it was dedicated to the whole city, that brother, <laughs> with a smile all the way across his face, had catered an incredible spread for everybody who wanted to come. <laughs> and on, on the side there uh, was a, a table filled with bottle after bottle after bottle of that expensive imported spring water that everybody could take home. And as they celebrated on the, on the dedication of the San Lazaro Memorial Park, nobody went home hungry. Nobody was thirsty. Everybody mattered on that day. And on the other side of the grave, Father Abraham smiled. Let us pray. God of grace, God of healing, and God of love, show us what it means to be your children, and to serve your children. This day and all days. In your name we pray. Amen. Would you respond today to the call of Christ on your heart, to follow Christ into the waters of baptism, or to say you want to join this congregation? There's a, a chance there, a form to fill out, a, something there in the chat to say, I want to, I want to follow and to follow in the ways of Jesus today. As we sing our final hymn of invitation, you're invited to respond.
of our service today. You're invited to continue to uh, participate in the life of the church in the coming days. If you are a sixth through ninth grader, today is the, the day for you. It is the return of ABY in person. We'll be gathering together at two o'clock in the Roger Williams room. Uh, that's for sixth through ninth graders. Next week will be 10th through 12th graders. Uh, so in these next couple of weeks, uh, you are invited to come and, uh, and participate in that fellowship uh, together. Uh, also, be sure to pay attention to the, uh, uh, the Earthworks information. We had a great uh, agape meal, uh, a multi-state agape meal last night as we uh, uh, made risotto and, uh, and had a great uh, company with one another. Uh, we have a, a hike coming up in the next few days, so be sure to keep an eye out for uh, that information as well. And now a benediction from Anumo Okoro, Jonathan Wilson Hartgrove, and Shane Claiborne for you today. May the peace of the Lord Christ go with you, wherever he may send you. May he guide you through the wilderness, protect you through the storm. May he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you. May he bring you home rejoicing once again into our doors. Amen.